Aloha and welcome to Elevating Motherhood. I'm so glad you're here. I'm your host, Lori Beth Aldridge. I've taken my passion for conversation, perspective, and supporting moms and turned it into a podcast. My goal is to talk openly about motherhood, offer new ideas, and help moms find their confidence in this busy and sometimes overwhelming world we live in. We're going to dive deep, open up, and elevate motherhood. Thanks for being here with me. Let's get started. Today's episode of Elevating Motherhood is sponsored by Blossom and Root, a nature-based Charlotte Mason-inspired homeschool curriculum company that has been gently guiding and supporting families for years. This thoughtful, age-appropriate curriculum begins at the preschool level with options all the way up to fourth grade and more grade levels being released each year. Blossom and Root is the homeschool curriculum my family uses and loves. The information and ideas are easy to follow, fun, and engaging. If you're new to homeschool or looking for an inspired homeschool curriculum to help you lovingly teach and guide your children, I highly recommend Blossom and Root. Using this curriculum has brought so much connection and joy to my family's homeschool days. I love it. Blossom and Root has generously offered a discount code for Elevating Motherhood listeners. Use the code LORIBETH10, L-O-R-I-B-E-T-H-1-0 at checkout for 10% off your order. For more information about Blossom and Root, head over to elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. That's elevatingmotherhood.com forward slash homeschool. This episode is also supported by Healthy Mama Meal Prep an online course that my friend Chris Dobniak has created. And I have to tell you that my everyday life has changed for the better. We're talking three times a day since I interviewed Chris in episode 76. Ever since that interview and after taking her online course, Healthy Mama Meal Prep, I've learned about just how flexible and time-giving, not time-draining meal prep can be. I've happily changed some of my habits and consequently my attitude in the kitchen. I've organized my pantry, prepped veggies without wasting them because I actually know how and when I'm going to use them and have a better idea about how I can effectively and efficiently tackle meals throughout the week. And it's all thanks to the teachings and insights of holistic health coach, intuitive eating counselor, trained chef, and fellow mama, Chris Dobniak. Chris also has a fun quiz on her website where you can find out what your meal prep style is flexible foodie, busy babe, or modern mom. I am a flexible foodie, a hundred percent, whichever you are, she has ideas for you. There is more information in the show notes. Be sure to check those out and also use the code LoriBeth 15 for 15% off your enrollment in the healthy mama meal prep course. I hope you enjoy it. A lot of writers worry that their writing isn't going to be any good, but then find a way through that doubt during their writing process. And I have to say, I think that there are a lot of moms out there that worry that what they're doing isn't good enough either. So what if moms had a tool to work through those kinds of doubts? Well, today's guest, Allie Fallon, makes a solid case for how writing could be just the tool we need as moms to get over that doubt. 
She brings all kinds of encouragement and insights about the sacred act of making space for writing in our lives and how not to get stuck in our to-do lists or lost in distractions. Allie is a new mom with a new book, The Power of Writing It Down, a simple habit to unlock your brain and reimagine your life. She is going to help us see the myths surrounding writing, including the one that says that writing is for some people and not for others. It is most definitely for moms. She shows us how writing has been transformative in her own life and shows us how it can reveal things we didn't know about ourselves before we wrote them down. Writing is revelation and learning through play, things that we see and encourage in our children on a daily basis. Allie shows us how we can turn that same philosophy and encouragement inward and apply it to ourselves as moms. We talk about all the things, writing, motherhood, misconceptions, spirituality, connection, lifelong learning, the power of getting to know ourselves and what you can do to get started on your writing journey today. We're going to bust through some learned writer's block and show you how to use writing as a vehicle to get to know your truest self. This is a great episode for all moms, whether you identify as a quote unquote writer or not. And if you're a homeschool mom, it is going to be really easy to see how these writing ideas can cross over into our homeschool as well. Allison Fallon is an award-winning author, sought after public speaker, and nationally recognized writing coach. She has worked with thousands of people to realize their writing potential and become published authors. Without further ado, let's welcome the lovely Allie Fallon to the show. Aloha, Allie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's such a treat to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. I am thrilled to talk to you. I think that I spent the most time on your book and notes and everything um, before we talked here. And I kind of wanted to explain that because, first of all, wow. Uh, this was a really interesting read for me personally, because as a person who identifies as a writer, I read it as a writer and understood it completely from that angle. And it was just spot on from that perspective. And then as a person with two master's degrees, one in children's literature and one of creative writing, the recovering academic in me saw the power of your book big time. And also um, was an opportunity for me to continue to unpack a lot of personal stuff for me. (laughs) And then as a person whose husband recently started writing, I saw it through that lens of how I could be a more supportive wife and help Mm -hmm. him create time and space for him on his personal journey, which was mind blowing. And then I'm a longtime homeschool mom who knows and honors the incredible influence of genuinely supporting and encouraging kids outside of the burdens of mainstream teachings, which as you and I both know, basically beats the writer out of all of us. And I felt so validated And in the same breath, I just wanted to do nothing but validate you back and be like, yes, you are onto something. This is real. Like there's so many of us who are living in this truth. And then I was supposed to be reading your book uh, from a podcaster point of view (laughs) so that I could interview you and talk with you about it and, and bring the motherhood lens. And so then I was bringing the motherhood lens and I was like, wow, I mean, there is just not enough hours in the day to talk about all the things I want to talk about with you. So on that note, 
tell us a little more about yourself. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, this, one of the things that I love so much about this topic is it really is like a rabbit hole you could go down for. It is a rabbit hole I've gone down for years and years and years. I stumbled into this work that I'm doing kind of accidentally. So maybe I can give a little bit of the backstory and give your listeners a sense of how I even arrived here. Yes, please. But 10 years ago, I quit my full-time job because I knew deep in my gut that I wanted to write a book. I didn't have the first clue about how to do that. I didn't know where to start. I didn't have any context in the publishing industry. Um, I didn't know what a book proposal document was. I didn't, I didn't have, know any agents. I didn't know anything, but I just knew that I had this story that I wanted to tell and I knew I had to get it out. So very naively, I quit my job and I was like, this should take like six months, right? Like no big, no big deal. And three years later is when I finally published my first book. The journey that I took in those three years was really pivotal and important for building the foundation for the work that I'm doing now. It was also deeply frustrating because mm. it was so aggravating to me to know, like in this intuitive way that I had something that I needed to say and something I wanted to contribute to the world. And in my case, that was like a piece of writing that I wanted to contribute. It's different for everybody but then not to know or understand the pathway for how to get there and to bump up against all these closed doors, people who would say like, oh, to publish a book, you need 100,000 Instagram followers, or you're gonna need an email list with you know, 250,000 people on it, or you know, you're gonna need to grow your platform, whatever, whatever. Or um, you know, the first, I tell this story all the time, like my first meeting with an agent where he was like, great, can you send me your book proposal document? And I was like, sure. And then I'm leaving the meeting going like, what is a book proposal document? Googling it, trying to figure out what the heck that even is or means. And all that to say a deeply frustrating process, even the act of actually sitting down to write the book mm -hmm. was like, it felt like I was like spinning my wheels. I wasn't really making much progress in my head. It was one thing. And then when it come out on the page, it was something totally different. So when I was done with all of that, um, the book was out and in the world, it was doing very well in the marketplace, better than I had expected it to do. So I thought I could use my, my background in teaching, that was the job that I had left, um, my skills as a writer and my frustrations from the last three years of my life to help other writers like me create a pathway that would be a little simpler and especially new writers. So in the next five years of my life, uh, my career became equipping authors to get their books out in the world. And I worked with authors, uh, plenty of authors who were just like me, who were totally new at this and had no idea what they were doing. And then I also was really blessed and lucky to work with a bunch of writers who had already done very well and just needed some help, you know, like shaping or framing their ideas or editing them or creating outlines or whatever. So um, at what happened for me in those five years is I started seeing patterns repeat themselves in this process with writers. It was like, no matter who you were, mm -hmm. whether you were like a stay at home mom and never dreamed that you would ever publish a book and you were brand new at this, or whether you were a New York Times bestselling author and you had sold millions and millions of copies of your book and now you were ready to write your next one, no matter who you were or where you were on that spectrum, you were facing the same problems. You were saying the same phrases over and over again. And remarkably, I was watching these people also have the same types of breakthroughs. So they would have a breakthrough in their writing and then they would have a parallel breakthrough in their life. And at first I was like, well, this is um, like, must be like a crazy coincidence. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then I stumbled across this whole body of research, which I talk about in the book, that 
validates exactly what I was experiencing, um, you know, in my work with my clients and then in my own work with myself, which is that writing is this really, really powerful tool to generate positive change in our lives. So at that point, this was about three years ago that I started to apply the concept of writing as a powerful tool to generate transformation, to inspire people to write, even if you don't have a publishing goal. Like for me, I knew I wanted to publish this work and get it out in the world. And so many of the clients I worked with, they knew that. But even if you never publish your words, um, I've watched this happen for thousands of people that I've worked with, that they never publish anything that they write, but that their writing has this transformative impact on them. So that's where the idea, and, and also one other layer to this is um, at the end of 2015, I had a massive change in my personal life. I went through a divorce um, and, and took the step to leave what was really an abusive relationship. Um, and not only did my writing practice as it had for so many, and so many other times in my life, it buoyed me through that season of life. But I also started to apply the concepts that I had been using with clients to my own life, to write down my own story. And then I experienced on this really personal and visceral level, how healing of a process writing could be. So rather than being the thing in my life that destroyed me, my divorce became the thing in my life that propelled me into the life that I had always dreamed of and wanted for myself. So, um, what that did, that process of writing down my story just bolstered even further this passion that I had for helping people learn to tell their stories, even if they don't have any publishing aspirations. Mm -hmm. I love that. That really struck me in your book, actually, the number of stories of people who come to you and say, I don't have a publishing goal in mind, but man, there's something that needs to be unplugged and out of me and just yeah. love, love, love that. I know the joy and the healing of writing and just what it means to feel called to do that. And gosh, the words that you've been using are breakthrough and growth and positive change and transformation and healing. And it just mm -hmm. is so wild. I love that you frame writing and growth, personal growth and development in that context, and then give us something uh, tangible to do to make all of that happen mm -hmm. that is um, totally doable. In your book, you talk about the unfolding of your book about your divorce, which is yeah. pretty cool. I mean, I felt like I was right there on the beach with you. <laughs> it was so good. And I'm really dying to know what this writing process was like for you, because you described that writing process in the book. And then this is a book about the writing process. What was the writing process like for you, writing a book about the writing process? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's what's interesting. So when I teach people, when I'm working with authors who, who have uh, publishing aspirations and they're looking to work on their book. I tell them to choose between two categories um, to decide which category their book is going to fall into. And obviously there's like, you know, a thousand or thousands of genres that your book could fall into, but usually books fall into one of two categories, which is either story driven or content driven. Mm -hmm. And a story driven book is more like a memoir style, creative nonfiction. It's driven by the story that's happening in the book. Like the thing that keeps the reader turning from one page to the next is they want to know what happens to the main character. So all fiction books would fall in this category. A lot of nonfiction books would fall in this category too. Then you have content driven books, which is more like this book, which is the content driven books are more didactic. They're usually teaching something. This could be like a cookbook. It could be, um, you know, even like Brene Brown's work. She's one that I use as an example a lot because her books are content driven, even though they include a lot of stories. So it can get, there can be kind of this gray area where people are confused about what is a content driven, what's a story driven book, but 
the whole point, the reason I brought this up is um, writing a content driven book for me is, I'm going to use the word easier. I don't mm -hmm. mean that in the black and white sense of the word, but it is a little easier to write a content driven book than it is to write a story driven book, especially if your story driven book or the story that you're writing down um, includes any kind of trauma or feels really close to your heart or, um, you know, like in my case, I'm writing about this really traumatic couple of years in my life and writing my way through that transition and writing through a lot of grief and pain and loss. And because of that, the process of writing that book was like, almost like going back and reliving the story again. Mm, I bet. Um, the beauty of that is you're reliving the story from a new perspective, but the challenge of that is you have to relive the story and you have to go back and look at the things that you weren't capable of looking at the first time. Whereas with writing the power of writing it down, um, it felt like I could come to the page with a little bit more um, confidence, I guess, that I had something really powerful that I could teach the reader. And because of that, it didn't feel as, it wasn't as emotional mm -hmm. to write down the words. Uh, it's still challenging and sticky and you bump into writer's block and whatever, but um, a little easier in the sense of like, you know, I wasn't like sobbing my way through the writing. <laughs> Yeah, that makes total sense. And um, as a writer, I, I get what you're saying big time. And you just articulated that really well. Yeah, I was just curious. I thought that was just so interesting. I couldn't pass up the opportunity to ask. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that your book isn't just for writers. Um, it's really inclusive. And I really appreciate that. And you are reframing what writing is and what it can do for us. And early on in your book, you say that Writing is communication, self-discovery, creativity, spirituality, and self-expression. Love that you bring in the spiritual element because that's one of the things we talk about on the show is that that seems to be really ignored in a lot of motherhood stuff. Um, it's hard to advertise um, and sell yeah. spirituality. So yeah. then you also talk about still as a culture, for some reason, we cling to this odd notion that writing is for some people and not for others. Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of writing books and I would not say that this is just a writing book. It's so hard. I mean, you want to talk about trying to categorize this book. I'm like, where would you put it in the spiritual section? Yeah. Would you put it in the motherhood section? Like, where would you put it? And, you know, as a homeschool mom, I really appreciate that you're including everybody. It's very homeschool mom of you. I don't know if you know oh, that. You. <laughs> and you're breaking through these stigmas and the current cultural views of who and what makes a writer, because mm -hmm. let's be honest, there are some really unrealistic and snooty stereotypes about what it is to be a writer. So Ali, if you could wave a magic wand over those stereotypes and reframe writing and being a writer for us, what do you want us to know? I just want people to know that, that uh, writing is, well, mostly I want people to know writing is for everybody, mm -hmm. but that writing is a way, it's a tool that we can use a vehicle and it's not the only vehicle. So it doesn't, if, if, if people are resistant to it or they just really don't want to do it, they can find another vehicle. Mm -hmm. But it's a vehicle that we can use to teach ourselves about curiosity, exploration, um, creativity, artistry, plays, you know, like I mentioned, spirituality, prayer, mm -hmm. um, self-exploration, self-discovery. So the process of writing down our words or writing down our stories will reveal to us things that we didn't know before. And um, because of that, it's incredibly inherently valuable to absolutely anybody who's willing to engage with it. Now, like I mentioned that there are other, um, 
there are other vehicles that can do a similar sort of thing. So like mm -hmm. meditation is another vehicle. Yoga is another vehicle. Um, prayer itself is another vehicle. You know, body movement or dance is another vehicle. The actual act of play, like playing, you know, a game with your kids or playing a game with another group of adults is another vehicle. So there are all these vehicles that can help us to get below um, the, you know, I talk about the frontal cortex in, in the book um, to get below like that, the part of our brain that wants us to be only productive and only efficient and mm -hmm. only think about like the, the things on our to-do list. Um, if we want to get beyond that, there are many vehicles that can get us there. The thing I think is so remarkable about writing is it's easily accessible to absolutely anyone who's willing to do it. All you need is a pen and you don't even need a piece of paper. Um, you know, I make the joke all the time, like this can be like on the back of a receipt or it can be on a cocktail napkin or it can be on the notes section of your phone or it can be an Instagram post that you share with people or, um, you know, we, we overcomplicate even the idea of publishing. People are like, oh, I would never want to publish anything. And I'm like, when was the last time that you picked up your phone and you typed out a few words and you hit send on your Instagram? That's that's this is publishing like mm -hmm. this is taking our words and sharing them with a group and an audience of people. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate what it means to write or what even what it means to publish. And what I want people to do is sort of like, um, like take a much more unbuttoned approach to it. You don't need a fancy, a degree from a fancy university. You don't need a cabin in the woods. You don't need <laughs> an editor. You don't need a big publishing contract. You don't need a bunch of money. You don't need like a special desk in your house. That's like, whatever. All you need is the willingness to do it. And anybody can, can, um, really reap the benefits of this process. Mm -hmm. And if there's any question that this is for moms, revelation and learning through play, hello. <laughs> we, we see that in action every single day. The yeah. most powerful breakthroughs and the deepest learning and the best connections are always through play. Either our children like watching them do it or us engaging with them in lightness. And it just, it brings a levity and a depth at the same time. I mean, writing is just so, so, so cathartic. You know what's so interesting? I just want to add to that really quickly because I mentioned earlier how you hear the same phrases come out of writers' mouths, whether they're doing this for the first time or whether they've, they've mm -hmm. been a New York Times bestseller. One of the phrases that I hear from writers, regardless of where they are on that spectrum, is I'm worried it's not going to be any good. What if it's not any good? And you mentioned the the um, act of like curiosity and exploration that we see in our kids through play and that's that sense of like discovery of the world yeah and i feel like there's a great parallel there because um what i always tell writers is like there's just no way for you to know if it's an, if it's going to be any good and also who cares yes so, exactly like we tend to care so much as adults and when we're operating in that frontal cortex like we don't want to spend time on anything unless it's going to like have value and be really good. But would you ever watch your kids playing with a game and say, you know, I should, I should like steer them away from playing that game because they're not any good at it. <laughs> it's like, right. I mean, how do they, how do they, first of all, how do they ever become good if they don't have the space and the time to practice and play? And also who cares if they're any good? The point is not to be good. The point is to have an experience with the game or with the activity so that we can grow and, and, you know, like, um, like unfold unto our, into ourselves. And if we can take that approach with writing, I think we can lift the pressure mm -hmm. that we put on ourselves for a piece of writing to like be good or be publishable or to be worthy of sharing with anyone else. It doesn't matter if it's worthy of sharing with anyone else. It's about engaging in the process. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 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 I love it because we're encouraged by you to opt out of all these mainstream messages, which is like a theme that comes up over and over and over again in my own life and here on the show that all of my peace and happiness and self-discovery and all of this comes when I shut out the distraction and the noise of all the shoulds or, or even, you know, to be a good homeschool mom, this is what your day should look like. To be a writer, you have to have that cabin in the woods. I mean, I think we all fantasize about it, but once you're there in that cabin, there's still the same thing that has to happen, whether you're, uh, you know, riding on a receipt in your car or <laughs> you're at the kitchen oh. counter adding um, to the margins of your grocery list. It doesn't matter. Oh. It's all the same, the same thing. And in your book, I love, I just love your words and how you paint this picture for us because you talk about writing it's an invitation to take ownership of our lives. Mm. That is super powerful. And then later on in your book, you said, if you're going to engage in any practice that tries to keep you present and attuned to the sound of your inner voice, a process like writing things down, you are swimming upstream culturally. I would love for you to talk to us about why this basic act has become suddenly so subversive. Well, so mindfulness has become kind of a buzzword in present day in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all understand and know what mindfulness means. You know, that this idea that our thoughts drive how we feel about ourselves, which drive our behaviors, which get us the results in our lives. Mm-hmm. But if you're anything like me, when I was first exposed to this idea, it wasn't that I didn't think it was true or real. It was just that I was getting some outcomes in my life that felt like there's no possible way that I'm manifesting that for myself. That felt too woo-woo to me. It felt (laughs) like, you know, like the divorce, for example. I'm like, there's no way that I did this to myself. Like who would do this to themselves? What happens when you start to put your words on the page is you begin to see um, just how, first of all, you begin to uncover the buried and hidden subconscious thoughts that really are driving your behavior. The reason that we call them subconscious is because you don't know they're there. So you might, when you sit down to the page and you write some of these out, you might have the experience that so many of the writers I work with do where you go, oh my gosh, I just wrote that. I didn't even know I thought that. I didn't even know I felt that way. And having that revelation can be a little bit painful because you start to realize, oh, this is how this is happening is that this buried thought has been living in my subconscious mind for as long as I can remember from the time, you know, you might connect it to an experience from your childhood, for example. So for as long as I have conscious memory, this, this thought process has been buried in my, in my subconscious mind. And it makes perfect sense that if I believe this about myself, or I believe this about the world, that this is the result that I'm getting. And like I mentioned, it can be kind of painful to realize that because Mm -hmm. my first response when I started writing down the divorce story was like, oh, that's awful. Like I did this to myself. I started sort of like feeling shame or guilt or something for the fact that like I did this to myself. But over time, it didn't feel so much like, like a, it didn't matter where the quote unquote blame was placed. There didn't need to be any blame. It was just like, okay, so if I created the thoughts that manifested this reality for myself, then I can alter the thoughts. Mm-hmm. I can plant new thoughts and I can manifest a new reality for myself. And people will often say to me now in my life, um, I'm, I'm married again to a really wonderful man. We have a very happy, wonderful partnership. Like I did not even know that marriage could be as fun as it is. That's awesome. <laughs> we have a lot of fun together and I have a, a four and a half month old daughter. You know, I had always, I have always really wanted children and 
um, it was a huge heartbreak for me in my last <coughs> marriage that I couldn't get pregnant. Um, we, my husband and I got pregnant like immediately, like on our wedding night, probably. <laughs> um, so, and people will say to me, like, how did you heal so fast? Or like, how did you, you change your life so fast? And this is too simplified of an answer, but really the, the truth is that I just started getting really clear about the subconscious thoughts that were driving my behavior through the process of writing. And there were a couple of other vehicles that I used like therapy, mm -hmm. yoga, and meditation. So I started getting really clear about the thoughts that were driving my behavior. I started replacing the thoughts with new thoughts mm -hmm. and it didn't take a decade or two decades or five decades for my life to change. My life could not possibly be more different now than it was um, five years ago. In fact, it's almost exactly five years. I was reflecting on this the other day. Like the, I just passed the anniversary of like the total blowing up of my life was November 19th, 2015. And that, that was just almost exactly five years ago. So. Wow. Wow. Congratulations on all the things. Four and a half month old. That is a big deal. It is a big is deal. Not very much time. <laughs> it's, it's like all the time. And it's, I remember that phase. I remember it three yeah. times over. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Bye. my, my, um, like, I feel like I used to pass moms out in the world and just kind of like think nothing of it. And now when I see a mom out like at the grocery mm -hmm. store or children or whatever, I'm just like, you are a superhero. Like, how are you even here? How, how are you showered? <laughs> that is amazing. I love that. I love what you're talking about. I actually had a visceral reaction to what you were talking about. And then I wrote them down as I was having them. Cause when I hear, heard you talking, um, and also when I was reading your book too, I wrote in the margins, taking responsibility for myself and mm -hmm. like that this was really about personal responsibility and, and taking the time to think about what it is I'm truly bringing to the table rather than thinking about it in terms of, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, like really stepping into my role. So when you're talking about that, I felt the need to like sit up straighter and make space, um, for that notion of like, okay, like I need to like step into my body. And then also I just took like this big, deep breath of, and I think that that tends to happen to me when I hear a truth or like something really resonates with me. I'm like, ah, okay. going to like take that in, going to breathe that in. And, and I was really surprised. I think that even early on in your book, I, I recognized <laughs> this is part of my personal unpacking of like, I really need to step in and take personal responsibility for quite a few things in my life. Not that I don't, but it just really stepping into that more. And by doing that, you know, there's a, it's uncomfortable at first. There's an uncomfortable moment. Um, but the other side of that temporary discomfort is such empowerment and change. Like the stories that you were just sharing. I'm going to have chills just thinking about it. Just, and it ties back around to self-worth too, yes. because it really um, starts to make you turn inward in ways that just other things don't. And once you start to take that personal responsibility, your worth just bubbles to the surface and we're no longer um, battling. Oh, I just had another, see, visceral reaction <laughs> to, to that. Something popped in my chest. That was pretty cool. Um, but we're taking responsibility and then the worth stuff just kind of automatically elevates. I can't think of a better way to describe it, but man, that's what happens for me when I do this work and sit down and do the writing. It's so true. There's something about our ability to take up space in the world and writing really helps us to do that. But an ability to just to say like, this is my life. It's the only life I have. I'm going to own it. I'm going to yeah. work with it to make it the best that I can possibly make it. You know, it's easy to get in a, um, 
in a downward spiral where we think like, well, life just sort of happens to me and never, things never really work out for me the way that I want them to. Um, this is just my lot in life. I'm just going to have to live with it. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is like, we don't have total control over all the things that happen to us in our lives. Like we're, we're born into a life that we didn't necessarily choose, born into a family that we didn't necessarily choose. Um, you know, maybe born into like a financial position that we didn't necessarily choose, but with the cards that were dealt, we get to decide what we want to do with them and we get to practice and play and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, like see what works and what doesn't work and we get to collaborate with it. And if we can approach that, just like we approach our writing, if we can approach that with a sense of like, I wonder what happens if I try mm-hmm. this, then we regardless of what the outcome is that we get, regardless of how our circumstances change, we feel more engaged in our lives. We feel like, you know, that sense of, of value and ownership, like you talked about, we feel a sense of self-expression. We feel like it matters that I'm here. I'm having an impact on the world, at least on my little world. And um, I really think there's a deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction that comes from just that approach to life. Even if the actual, details to our lives never change but here's the crazy thing the details to our lives do change when we take Mm -hmm. absolutely i love that that was your whole theme of chapter five in the book out of the chaos yeah okay so first of all i read that book i sat down and i got to that title and i was like yeah i'm in (laughs) i want to hear what this woman has to say the motherhood lens is not hard to look through when you want out of the chaos and and that was the the theme of that chapter of just asking questions, asking better questions and, and not necessarily looking for answers. Oh, I loved that. It was so good. It was so good. Mm -hmm. One of the things you do in your book too, is invite us to see our inner voice and our inner critic uh, slightly differently. And I think moms um, could really benefit from that how do you think we could use writing as a way to shift our inner voice and our inner critic, especially as moms? Well, one of the things I talk about is um, I came up with this idea from coaching memoir writers, because when you're writing a memoir, I, I coach writers to identify what I call their narrator voice. So the narrator voice is a little bit different than like the dialogue that you would see in a book where you have like a character in the story interacting with another character or even like the internal thought process of the character in the moment. Mm -hmm. The narrator voice, we all recognize and understand the narrator voice because the narrator voice is like, you know, in a, in a kingdom far away a long, long time ago. Like it's the voice that introduces the story. It's the voice that um, carries the story throughout the story. And then it's the voice at the end of the story that says, So in other words, the moral of the story is, or the reason I'm telling you this story is because I want you to know. So we all intuitively understand and recognize the narrator voice at work. Um, The the beautiful thing about the narrator voice is the narrator voice is the the voice in the story that has a greater perspective on the story than even the characters within it. So think of the parallels here in our lives. There's, There's the version of you that's just present here in this very moment that might be thinking whatever thoughts you're thinking about your day to day, like, oh, like I'm kind of dreading today, like it's going to be a tough day, and my kids, been, you know, sick or having a tough time or whatever. Um, and then there's the narrator voice, that that voice that also comes from you, that has a much more zoomed out perspective of your life story. And that narrator voice might be saying any number of things to you. That narrator voice might be saying, you know, might have a very critical, negative view of the greater picture, and might be saying. Um, like all of this is pointless, none of this even matters. Or that narrator voice could be saying, you know, um, 
when you come to the end of your life, the greatest investment that you're ever going to have made is the investment into your children or whatever it says. Mm -hmm. So by helping people identify the narrator voice that's at work in your life, as well as your writing, um, well, we help them identify it in their writing. And then you start to see that this narrator voice is at work in your life. You can actually change your whole perspective on your day-to-day -day life just by changing the way the narrator voice is narrating the story. So regardless of what your like myopic feelings are in the moment about your life, if your narrator voice has a very positive perspective on your life story, then um, you're going to have a greater sense of leverage over altering your momentary attitude than you would if your narrator voice is narrating the story in a negative way or possibly sometimes this happens too we realize like we're not even really in touch with the narrator voice and so the narrator voice isn't moving the story along and so we're just sort of like doing the same day on repeat it was like groundhog's day day after day mm -hmm. um, you know we're like trying the same things and getting the same outcomes and feeling like well this is just my lot in life when we can zoom out from our lives and see it with the narrator's perspective we can start to see where the story is going what the hero of the story is trying to accomplish what are the obstacles that are in their way? How have they already overcome so many of those obstacles? How might they overcome the obstacles in the future? This is all perspective that the narrator voice has that sometimes we don't have when we're just existing in the day-to-day. -day. Right, perspective. I love my notes from this conversation. <laughs> They're so beautiful. I'm gonna show you. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm writing some things in script and making all these like little connections and circling major points and, you know, one of the things we try to do is, is bring perspective to the show and the, the literal correlation um, is what's getting me with writing analogies, right? It just, I, I was like, why didn't I think of that? Why, I, I know that you're saying this, but it's just like, ding, it clicked on an even deeper level. And I'm thinking, how can that even be? I love that you say zoom out. What a wonderful thing. Uh, what a wonderful phrase to give our narrator voice of, oh gosh, this is a crazy moment. Zoom out. You know, like what a wonderful yeah. reminder. Uh, Lisa McCrowan, another writer came on the show and was talking about widening our lens, you know, like yeah. that's how she views perspective. And I was like, that's so wonderful. Um, and I can widen my lens and I, my narrator, if you will, does remind me to do that every once in a while. But as a mom, I almost need that quick reminder of oh, zoom out. <laughs> just, just, totally. it's time, it's time to do that. And and one of the things that struck me, and I always assumed it was because I was an older mom or something like that, or I just, I also have a wonderful um, grandmother figure in my life that makes me think about legacy all the time, you know, yeah. just because she is just to me, just like this living legacy and it's just such a beautiful spirit. And I love the way that she looks at life. And I, I'm like, at the end of my life, that's what I want people to be saying about me too. And it's always kind of driven me as a mom in particular. And then also um, a, a thing I have, my narrator has in her pocket <laughs> is um, this notion of a life well lived. Like I loved that hashtag trend, hashtag living my best life. Yes. I actually apply that to my motherhood and I apply it to my kids all the time. And we aim to do that every single day. And it seems like maybe it would be a lot of work or maybe it would be showy or any of this stuff, but it really isn't because if we're not living our best life, even during this uh, pandemic time where everyone's like, how are you doing? And we're like, well, just living our best lives while not yeah. living our best lives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the kind of attitude that we're bringing to the table and, and that reframing and, and giving your narrator these notions to kind of cling to as, as, 
I don't want to say coping mechanisms, but they kind of are. We're, we're looking for coping mechanisms as sure. moms. It's, it's incredible perspective. I, I love it because you have taken it writing for us from this idea of this like elite activity um, which I can totally get. Oh my gosh, the stories I could tell you from an academic career in writing where people poo-pooed you and and then, you know, told you no. And then you're like, well, what now? <laughs> what do you have to say now? You know, I feel like I proved you wrong. And, but even then it wasn't even proving them wrong. It was proving myself capable and listening to that inner voice. And I have swam upstream for my whole life. You know, I was told to be a nurse or a teacher right? And that, that's just what you're going to be. And I was like, well, what if I want to be a writer? And they're like, nope, doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, it's still in me, you know, and even when I got poo-pooed, I kept pushing through um, because I do see the benefit of it and, and following my true path. But I know that that's not the case for all listeners um, right now. So for people who don't have that burning desire, and this um, rebel personality. Um, what tips do you have for them about how to fit writing into their lives and, and how it can benefit them? I think you've, you've done a great job of showing us. I'm just trying to also make sure I include my mamas out there who aren't burning like I am. <laughs> totally. And you know, I tell a story in the book about my sister. So like the, the whole story is her just like, she's got her four-year-old who's like, doing something trying to get her attention screaming at her and then both of the two-year-olds is one's trying to get into the oven one's trying to get into the refrigerator and so she's like balancing all these things it's been so fun for me to watch my sister be a mom and then now i'm like brand new to being a mom myself and so it gives me a greater sense of perspective of what i'm asking a mom to do when i say like can you carve out 20 minutes in your day that can be dedicated just to you so that you can do your writing I, I always knew that that was a big ask, but I think now that I'm a mother, I'm like, oh no, this is a big ask. <laughs> Trying to find 20 minutes in your day that's dedicated just to you. But um, what I talk about in the book is, I call it the sacred act of making space. And there are three different ways that I tell people to make space. One is in your physical environment, one is on your calendar, and one is in your mind. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about making space for yourself, it's, at the, it's in uh, chapter, I think, three or four of the book. So it's like at the beginning of this process that I take you on. Um, but the beautiful thing about making space is even if you never get past those three things, even if you never get past just the making of space in your day and, and in your physical environment and in your mind, even if you never put a single word on the page, you already start to reap the benefits of this process. So, um, you know, for making space in your day, I talk about like carving out even five minutes. If it's not, if 20 minutes is unrealistic for you, then make it five. If five is unrealistic, then make it 60 seconds. Everybody can find 60 seconds in their day that's dedicated just to them. So you find space that's dedicated just to you. You find a space in your house that's dedicated just to you. And my favorite story about this is a mom client who I worked with who was like, the only space in my house that can be just mine is my closet. So she's like, I go into my closet and I shut the door and I sit there on the floor and I'm like, great. It doesn't have to be a glamorous space is my point. Like it doesn't have to be mm -hmm. a cabinet woods. Um, if you can find a space in your house that feels really like warm and nurturing to you, that's uh, like even better. Like if you can find like a corner where there's a chair and the sun comes in just the way you like it and you can have, you know, a candle next to you and have your coffee there. Great. But if that's unrealistic for you, then lock yourself in your closet mm -hmm. with all your clothes. And that can be the space that's dedicated to you and to your, your writing time. Um, and then finding space in your mind is just about finding a way to shut out or, or um, to put up a boundary around all of the clutter 
that's constantly bombarding its way into our space. So like this is the example that I always used before I was a mom was like Instagram and the 24 hour news cycle and mm -hmm. which, you know, those are enough in themselves. But then now that I'm a mom, um, so much of what comes into my space is my daughter, like needing me. I'm thinking constantly, like, when does she next need a bottle? And do I need to breastfeed or should I pump or how? like constantly doing the mom math that you do. Um, and then, you know, like hearing her cry or hearing her call out is, is like, um, it activates something in you as a mother. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, can I find five minutes a day where I put up a boundary against that? So like she's safe with my husband or she's safe with mm -hmm. a sitter or wherever my kids go. And where I have five minutes, that's just all about me and I can clear out all the clutter and I don't have to think about anything and I don't have to do any mom math and I don't have to solve any problems. And um, this space and time is just dedicated to me clearing out, clearing some room in my mind for myself. So if we can do, like I mentioned, those three things, find space in our physical environment, find space on our calendars and find space in our brains. Even if we never record a single word, then we will start to reap all the benefits of this process. But the thing that happens is uh, continuously and without question, when we do these three things, you will start to have words and phrases that come to mind that you're going to want to record on the page. Mm -hmm. so that idea of writer's block that we talk about um, almost becomes obsolete when we can do those other three things because we've opened the channel for the words to come through that we need for ourselves. And a lot of what happens for me, just to give uh, your listeners a sense of what this can look like, is almost like a note to self. Like, um, you don't have to do this all by yourself. And I might just write that, write down that phrase, or you are so loved. And I might just write down that phrase. Or sometimes um, it might be a phrase more like, um, I'm exhausted beyond belief. Sometimes it's just like a true phrase that just needs to be recorded so that you can have a witness to what is true and real for you in that moment. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing I love about the writing process is that just because you write down a truth doesn't mean that truth stays true forever. So you might write down a truth like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And that truth doesn't have to stay true forever. There's something about writing it down, and acknowledging it and giving it a witness that almost mm -hmm. steals its power and makes it dissolve away and gives you the space to create something new. Mm -hmm. One thousand percent. If I'm having a hard time <laughs> and I say it out loud, I'm having a hard time. I'm thinking about something else, but I feel like I'm projecting it onto my children right now. If I say that yeah. to my husband, uh, to onto our children. And um, I didn't mean for that to happen. So I'm going to go back and apologize. But I just wanted to say out loud that I really think that the, my frustration is actually coming from this other place, completely diffuses the situation. And oh. it's just like the truth in the moment that changes. And it's something I can work on. And we're like, it's just part of the process. But Naming it, saying like, oh, I'm really tired right now, or oh, I'm really frustrated, or I feel like my needs aren't being met right now. It's yeah. amazing how quickly those needs can start to get met as soon as you say my needs aren't getting met. I love that. Your book is just chock full of that. You have made writing doable, even for busy moms. I mean, and honestly, you sold me the closet space. I was like, yeah, I would take the sunlight by the window with the coffee and the nice chair. I would uh, 1 million percent take the closet too. If it meant that I had some time and space, you, you talk about distraction in the book and all these notions that we have to break through of like, it doesn't have to be perfect attendance, you know, we know, which by the way, uh, in high school as a senior, I got an award for perfect attendance K through 12. 
that was like the crappiest award I've ever gotten in my life. I was not proud of that. I was like, <laughs> I would much rather have played hooky and done other things with my life. So, you know, perfect attendance is never the goal. <laughs> And you give us so much permission. Um, you made me start thinking about uh, creativity differently and all the stuff I have around rather than like being creative. And like, you made me look at that and uh, you talking about the danger of simplicity too. Like, this is so simple and, and we kind of complicate it and bring a lot of drama to it. And, and you give us um, thoughts of, of how to break through that. So I, I mean, I cannot recommend your book enough at one point, exactly what you're talking about, there is a quote that struck me to the point that I wrote it down, like separately from other, other things. Um, on page 163, you said, are you telling your soul to sit down and shut up so you can do the more important work of getting through the week? And mm. I was like, oh, wow. You know what? I think in motherhood, we need to be thinking about that. We really yeah. Really, our work is so important. It is absolutely world-changing work that you, um, I don't know if you meant to point out at the end of the book, but you did. It just was a nice reminder that we need to make sure that we're not getting lost in yeah. do lists and all of that and getting sucked into the distraction because we are just so much more than that. And we are whole women and the writing is a way for us, for us to do that. I do want to leave uh, listeners with some lovely thoughts from you, because at the end of your book, you talk about how we shape our inner and outer worlds through writing. And you say this beautiful, beautiful phrase. You say it's a very simple thing shaping the world we live in. It starts with us. It starts at home. It starts with the people we love most. It's not the stuff of glamour, but make no mistake, words shape who we are and who we become. And I couldn't help but think at the very end of that book, the motherhood lens was so obvious. Mm. It starts with moms. Yeah, it really does. And this personal work we do really translates into our children and our family culture and shapes this next generation. I mean, it's so incredible what you have pointed oh. out to so many people. And, and I don't know if you meant for it to be super relevant to moms but it totally is. You know, what's funny is you, you had mentioned earlier, like if I wrote this book while I was pregnant, I actually turned in the first draft of this manuscript um, the week before my wedding. And then, like I mentioned, I got pregnant right away after that. Mm -hmm. So when I did the, the first round of edits, I was pregnant. I didn't, it, it wasn't a conscious thought for me to make that relevant to motherhood. But um, while I was pregnant, I was thinking so much about how as a woman, giving birth to a baby, you, you, you do like create all of this space in your room and you make something out of the parallels are like undeniable between an act of creativity and an act of childbirth, which may be my next book, but, um, oh, I fully support yeah, that. <laughs> I, that out I wasn't consciously thinking that, but, but there are really strong parallels there. So. Oh, so many strong parallels. And then not only that in the book, you, you, bring us this easy to understand insightful science too. So as much as we're talking about all of this, sort of the spiritual elements of all of this, you have a very solid base in science and the roles of the limbic brain and the frontal cortex. And my husband and I had a wonderful time um, looking at those lists and I'm like, which one do you identify with? He's like frontal cortex the whole way. I'm like, Ooh, I'm limbic, you know, and we just, it was so fun. We had such a great conversation and you actually inadvertently gave us a joke too, um, an insight 
inside joke, which is a riot. You, at one point you said, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I've done just enough research on the topic to be dangerous. I read that out loud one morning. That's how we started our day. We're laughing over coffee. And later that day, as I'm holding a flashlight for him, as he's finishing up electrical and the sun is setting in December, you know, and it's getting so dark. And I said, wow, I didn't know you knew so much about electrical. And he looks at me without missing a beat and says, I know just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> I love it. It was amazing. It was amazing. This has been an incredible interview and I know that we're ready to write. We are ready right now. I'm going to hang up and I'm going to go write because I have a couple of things I need to jot down now. Um, what's something we can do in this very moment? We're ready. What should we do? One of my favorite writing prompts to give, and this pairs really well with what I talked about earlier about making space, but um, is to write down 10 things that are true for you today. Okay. So the beautiful thing about this is it can be something as simple as it's 10 or 3 a.m. You know, mm -hmm. kind of time. That can be uh, something that's true for me today. Another thing that, you know, would be true for me today is my husband and I are in the middle of a big move. Our, our, our uh, kitchen neck is packed with boxes. That's true for me today. Um, you know, it might be true, uh, this is not true for me today, but it might be true for someone who's listening that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I'm exhausted beyond belief. Mm -hmm. I need help. That might be true for you today. There's power in simply putting words to what is true for you. Sometimes just putting words to what is true for you helps to diffuse what's true for you, helps to diffuse like the intensity around the emotion. Um, it also helps to ground you in the present moment. So that you don't forget that, you know, it's December 8th, it's 10.04 in the morning, um, it's sunny out today in Los Angeles, whatever it is, like it helps to ground you in the present moment, helps to, you know, diffuse the intensity around maybe something that feels very emotional for you um, and can help us contextualize and frame, frame the life that we're living within the day that we're living in. That's amazing. I've already started my list. I Number love it. One. My heart is so full. Oh, <laughs> it's such a you, late in the show for you to learn that, but <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I cannot wait. I'm on fire with this. And I know my listeners are too. Where can they connect with you and when and where can they find your book? The book is available starting January 12th, anywhere books are sold. So you can find it wherever you buy books, look at your book, local bookstore. They should carry it. And also Target, Walmart. Um, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, Amazon, all the all those normal places. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can find me. The social media platform that I spend the most time on is Instagram. So you can find Same. me on Instagram at Allie Fallon. And then um, you can find more of our products and services at findyourvoice.com. You are amazing. Allie, thank you so much for all you've brought to us today. You have shown such a bright light on us and all the possibilities. And I just feel completely filled with hope and inspiration. And I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Elevating Motherhood. Thanks again for spending your valuable time with me today. I hope you found some insight and inspiration or maybe a little of both. If you like today's show, please leave a review on iTunes. I use your feedback to plan future shows and cover topics that serve you. You can also connect with me on Instagram and Facebook. Links to those accounts are in the show notes. For more information, including today's show notes, head to elevatingmotherhood.com. That's elevatingmotherhood.com. Thanks again, Mama. I appreciate you.